Psalm 103 tonight, Psalm 103. We're going to look at our blessed benefits. Our blessed benefits, right? Psalm 103, wonderful psalm. We'll just tease our way through it uh, and go through it line by line tonight. Um, It starts off with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. God wants us to bless him. Uh, He wants us to praise him for all his goodness to us. Now, there's two things that happen when we praise God. First of all, obviously, since God wants it, God is pleased when we bless him and when we praise him. But there's a knock-on effect in our lives that when we praise God, when we remember God's blessings and God's benefits in our lives, what happens is the problems ease and the reality of how blessed we are kicks in because we are indeed a very blessed people. So we're going to look at it from two angles. The first angle is we need to praise God because God wants us to praise him. But we need to understand that as we praise God, we begin to realize what wonderful benefits we have. That's a word of prayer. Father, would you bless us tonight as we look to you, Lord? And all, Lord, would you help us? Lord, lift our hearts. Lord, we're uh, living in a world that's cursed by sin, Lord, and it's dark and dreary and drawn down. But, Lord, when we look up to you, Lord, there's joy and there's blessing and there's glory. Now, Lord, would you help us tonight, Lord? Oh, would you help us to, to look to you and to be satisfied in you? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so it says, and forget not, bless the Lord, and forget not all his benefits. Can't we forget his benefits? Didn't the nation of Israel forget God's benefits? God led them out of slavery, out of horrific conditions, out into the desert, and they weren't gone but a few days when they began to forget his benefits and they wanted to go back. They forgot his benefits. And God is constantly telling the nation of Israel, no, I want you to remember these things. Build a pillar here to remind you of what I did for you. I want you, to, uh, I want you to teach your children. I want you to remind them that it be in your heart. I want you to, to tell them and remind them and keep it in mind, all, all his benefits. Now, when God tells you something over and over again, you know what that means? He's foreseen that you're going to have a problem with it. And God knows we have a problem as far as praising his name is concerned. We forget. We get lost in the, uh, in the toil and strife of life, and we forget to praise God. We forget to bless him. And what we need to do is we need to take time to bless him. Now, <clears throat> but the thing is that we forget to. So the opposite would be we are to remember to bless God. We are to remember. Mark it down. Put a check mark. Have it on your prayer sheet. Have it on your uh, devotional sheet. Remember to bless God. Remember every day that you're going to praise him. <clears throat> there was a book written some time ago, The One-Minute Manager. And in The One-Minute Manager, uh, <clears throat> uh, the idea was there were several things to be, that were to be done for one minute. One minute was to be spent praising an employee, finding them doing something good and to praise them. Right? Just spend one minute. And if we would spend one minute every day praising God, the results would be revolutionary. The results would be revolution. Now, I don't think you could stop at a minute once you got going. But the thing about it is if you don't remember to get going, it doesn't happen at all. And you miss out and God misses out too. All right, so let's, let's go. Verse 3 is our first one, right? Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. First one is God forgives all our iniquities, all our sins. Aren't you glad he says all there? 
Don't we, don't we sometimes carry in our, in our mind the idea of when we got saved, God forgave everything I did up to then, but now, you know, since then, I'm kind of I'm trying to keep them down and trying to work it out, so, you know, because God's pretty upset. You know, he forgives all our iniquities, past, present, and future. Now, the thing we don't understand about God's forgiving our iniquities is we don't understand how big an issue it was. And the reason is because we sin, uh, that's life. Uh, everybody around us sins. And we, so we, you know, <clears throat> when God forgave us, it seems like it was something very trite, something very small. But it's not in the least trite. I was listening to uh, something on um, the, the economy failing recently, and it was fascinating to me. And it was fascinating for this reason, right? There was this guy, <clears throat> and he was a developer, but he wasn't a big-time developer. And they were interviewing him on it, and he was saying, you know, he was talking about how bad things were and so on, how things, how things had changed for him and all the rest. And uh, the interviewer asked him, how much should he personally owe? And he said this. He says, well, I'm not in, in as bad a place as other people. I only owe $18 million. <laughs> only 18 million <laughs> that's all you owe right now the reality is here's the problem for it listen he's no hope of paying back 18 million not a chance <clears throat> he's blown out of the water he'll be working a long time in his life to pay back 1 million never mind 18 million but it really hasn't dawned on him yet right <clears throat> now here's the thing we don't realize how big trouble we were in can you imagine going around every day knowing I owe 18 million I'll never be able to pay it back. If I sold everything I have, if I worked every day for the rest of my life, I can never pay it back. Your sin debt was greater than that. There is absolutely no way you could have paid for it ever. Had you decided to do good works for the rest of your life, you wouldn't have made a dent in the problem. There's just no way for us to deal with the issue of sin. All our, all our ideas of balancing the scales somehow and getting rid of our sin and um, being, being able to, to be right with God, there's no way. Absolutely no way. The greatest problem by far that anybody in this room or on this planet has ever had, the greatest problem by far, is our sin problem. There is no problem, because your sin problem was going to justifiably and righteously put you in hell forever and ever and ever. That was just fair and just and right, and nobody's going to be going to hell saying it's not fair, because it's fair. It's fair and just and right. You had this huge debt that you couldn't pay, and you know what God did? He said, I'll pay it for you. I'll clear the debt for you, and he cleared it. And he forgave all of it. And what does it mean to forgive? He let go. You don't owe him anything. Now, I don't know that we understand fully the idea of, of, of a forgiveness like that either. Because we let things go, but we're very apt to take them back up again, aren't we? But God let it go. And we'll see this again later in the psalm. God let it go, and it's gone completely. You don't owe anything. In fact, if you were to go to God tonight and say, listen, I'm, I'm really sorry. I've been such a, such a rat since I got saved even. I've done all these. I am really sorry. God would say to you, what sin? The sin that's confessed and forgiven is gone. It's, it's dealt with. It's finished. It's all paid for. So God has forgiven our sin. First benefit we have. And by the way, it is the first one. And it is the most important one. All our iniquities have been forgiven. They're gone. You can pillow your head tonight and have peace with God because all your iniquities 
are forgiven. It's dealt with. Secondly, though, he healeth all thy diseases. You know, isn't it interesting to look back in history and see how people died? You know, a plague would sweep through a town and 60% of the people died. Can you imagine a plague sweeping through, sweeping through Tala and 60% of the people in Tala die? That would mean that 60,000 people would die. Can you imagine 60,000 people dying in Tala? Where would we bury them? But that, that happened regularly. You look through history and you see diseases sweeping through places and people dying. But you know what? <clears throat> God heals our diseases. There are lots of things that we think of as being, yeah, no big deal. You know, because what we've got is we've got medicine that heals. But you know, ultimately, it's not medicine that heals us. It's God that heals. Because, you know, you can see somebody and they, they, they go for the medicine, they pay for the medicine, they, they, they get the best medicine that's possible, and you know what? It doesn't heal them sometimes. Ultimately, it's God that heals us. God heals all our diseases. Do you ever feel yourself getting the flu or something and it's coming on and you know, oh, something's going down here? Right? And then and you pray about it. And it's gone. God heals our diseases. By the way, it would help you a lot to pray about those things when you know they're coming on. You know, God's in the business of healing us. And ultimately, he's going to heal us completely. He healed us of our greatest disease, sin, and he's going to heal us of all of it. But God heals our Diseases. Verse 4 says, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Now that's, that's wide and deep. He redeems our life from destruction. How many of you in this room could say, You know what? When he saved me, he redeemed my life from destruction. Maybe you could say, oh, listen, I was in bits. And he saved me. He redeemed my life from destruction. We got, you know, we got some people that can say that, yeah? He redeemed my life from destruction. Right? Now what, is it, what does it mean to redeem you from destruction? Well, <clears throat> You're about to be destroyed. And what he did was he bought you back from destruction. He bought you back from the destruction that your life and a life of sin. Now, you know, the, the, the honest truth is that people don't get saved and they live reasonable lives. But some people, are, their lives are just destroyed by sin and they're going deeper and deeper into it. And they're going to be destroyed by it. And he redeems their lives from destruction. Now remember that. That's something to thank God for. You know, before you were saved, your life was going downhill rapidly, and then you got saved, and all of a sudden, it's going a whole different direction. That means he redeemed your life for destruction. Let me say this to you too, though. How many times a day could you be destroyed? Listen, you get in your car, and you drive around here. Do you know there are lunatics on the road? Now, I hope you're not one of the lunatics on the road, right? But do you know there are lunatics on the road? Do you know that there are drunk people out there on the road? Do you know that there are people out there who are out of their minds on drugs on the road? Do you know there are people out there who are so emotionally upset that, listen, they're, they're, they're beside themselves? They didn't hit you on the way to church tonight. God saved you from, from destruction. How many miles have you put up in the last year? You know, the average is about 12,000 miles. 12,000 miles of driving. 12,000 miles on the road where there's anything can happen. You can happen. Right? <clears throat> uh, but listen, God redeems you from destruction. God takes care of you. And we need to understand that. You know, we go through a day and nothing bad happens. And we say, oh, great, nothing bad happened. We don't even say great. But listen, our God takes care of us. 
Our God watches over us. One thing goes wrong in the day. Oh, we know about that one. And God knows about that one, doesn't he? We let him know about that one. Because there's one thing that's wrong. But what about all the, all the blessings, all the things that he took care of you in? All the things that he watched over you. See, he redeems our life from destruction. He crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now, don't you just love that? Loving kindness and tender mercies. What's the point of explaining that? Because it says it all. Loving kindness. You know the way somebody who's beloved, they get treated with kindness based upon the fact that they're beloved. Do you know that God deals with you like that? And you say, well, no, not me. I don't deserve that. Nobody deserves it. Nobody deserves his loving kindness. But that's how he deals with us. He crowns us with loving kindness. Here's here's the picture I have in my mind of this. God is watching out for opportunities to bless us. God is watching out. It's his delight to bless us. And he's watching out. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He's just tender towards us. Now, I understand, you know, that we may have a hard time in our relationship with God getting to the place where we understand that that's the way he is towards us. You know, the Bible says that God delights over you. The Bible says that God joys over you with singing. Why would he joy over you and I with singing? But he does. He loves us. He crowns our lives with loving kindness and tender mercies. He delights in us. You don't have to curry God's favor, get on the right side of God so that God will do good in your life. God wants to do good in your life. It's the opposite. You've got to get in his way and stop him from doing good. Now, we're pretty good at that. <clears throat> but it's not that he doesn't want to even then. He still wants to, but he can't because our sin, you know, our rebellion puts us in a place where he can't actually oh, bless us. But God wants to bless. He crowns our lives with loving kindness uh, and tender mercies. Uh, Verse 5 says, Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. God satisfies our mouths. Let's let's make it bigger. God satisfies us. And in all the world, there's nothing that will fully satisfy us apart from God. Nothing. Now, That takes us a lot of time to get our heads around. But God has so ordered his universe that the only thing ultimately in it that will satisfy you is him. Everything that's good and proper and right for us to have in this world points to him. Everything. Everything that's good for us points to him. He satisfies us, but it all brings us back to him. Now, it's true that, listen, we can take our lives and do our own thing with it, but you know what? will never be satisfied apart from him. It'll never work out. Oh, you can live your life. You can do it. You can say, okay, well, listen, <clears throat> I'm going to make a fist of this by myself. I don't want God in my life. I don't want his restrictions. I don't want to do the things he tells me to do. I'm going to do my own thing. And because you've got a free will, he'll say, well, go ahead. But you know what? You'll never be satisfied. Because only he can satisfy you. Now, you know what, listen, it's sad when we have to learn that once in our lives, isn't it? You know, the only thing that's going to satisfy me is God. Because listen, you can spend years and years and years of your life, and you're trying to satisfy yourself in the world, and trying and trying and trying, and you're empty. And then you come to God, and God satisfies. And everyone that's born again knows, listen, he satisfies. But you know what we do? 
we sometimes have a, somehow have a mental blank or a breakdown or something, and we think, no, hang on a minute, this is not enough. I need the old stuff that never satisfied. That's, that's what's going to make me feel. And we forsake the fountain of living waters, and we go back to the cisterns that can hold no water, trying to satisfy ourselves. It'll never work. We'll never be satisfied. In the world, there's nothing in the world that could satisfy. Listen, we got people in this room, and we could go around this room, and we could have testimonies of heartache in lives where people wanted the world to satisfy, and it didn't. Because it can't. Now, look, some of you are young enough and dumb enough. Now, excuse me for saying that, but you're young enough and dumb enough to think that you can satisfy yourselves apart from God. And it may take you 20 years to find out the truth in what I'm saying tonight. Now, wouldn't it be really wonderful if you could just decide tonight and say, you know what, he's right. And you could save yourself 20 years. Save yourself 20 years of trying to find out for yourself that, listen, only God can satisfy wouldn't it be wonder if the rest of us would come to the place, wonderful if the rest of us would come to the place where, listen, we really set our hearts on him satisfying us. Listen, he crowns your life with good things, with tender mercies, with loving kindness, but it's him. You know, there's nothing good happening in your life that doesn't come from his hand. That changes the whole layout of everything. That changes everything. You know what? <clears throat> if it's him that's going to do all of those things in my life, then I need to be focused on him and my relationship with him and pleasing him. Because all the rest of it's secondary. All the things that in your heart right now that you think, oh, if I only had that. When I get that, I'll be sad. If, if, I, if I only had a husband. If I only had a wife. If I only had a new car. If I only had a job that paid well. If I only had, if I only had, if I only had. And you know, you don't say, you know, listen, those things will make me perfectly satisfied. I know they wouldn't. But the reality is in your heart, you put them up there like they would. You'll be satisfied then. No, you won't. The only thing that's going to satisfy you is your relationship with God. That's the only thing. Nothing else can satisfy you apart from that. And we need to understand that. We need to take that on board. If that's the truth, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend much more time with God than I am watching telly. Because telly doesn't satisfy. Did you know that? Telly doesn't satisfy. I'm going to spend much more time with God than I am trying to make money. Because money doesn't satisfy. I'm going to spend more time on my relationship with God than in any other relationship because relationships ultimately don't satisfy. Are there lots of good things in this world I can enjoy? Lots of good things. He's the Father of lights. Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. But you know what? <clears throat> Apart from Him, there's nothing good happening in my life. It's only him that satisfies me. It's my relationship with him that satisfies me. And listen, please don't get in your mind the idea that's a burden. There's no burden involved in that. That's the joy of getting to know Jesus, the joy of getting to walk with God. That's the blessing that's, that's held out for you, though you don't deserve it. He's invited you in. And if you will just begin to scrape the surface out of it, you'll find, you know what, it's true, it's right. That does satisfy. <clears throat> and remember this. As long as you're satisfying yourself in the things of the world, you're not going to be hungry 
for the thing that's most needy. You know, it's like the mom. The mom says to the kid, now listen, your dinner's coming up in an hour. I don't want you eating biscuits or junk. What she's saying, don't satisfy your hunger on junk because then you won't be hungry for what you really need, the food I'm going to put up for you. When we satisfy ourselves on the, in the world and on the things of the world, you know what the problem is? The problem is we're not hungry for God. And it's so easy for us to do. So easy for us to get caught up in all kinds of things and we satisfy ourselves in those things. And God says, don't. I'm the only thing that can satisfy you. <clears throat> and he does satisfy you. Listen, <clears throat> for so many people in this world, the reality is they can't, can't get satisfied. The Rolling Stones had a song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. They meant it. They had all the money in the world. They had the power to do whatever they wanted to do. But they weren't satisfied. And you can go around the people who pursue this world and actually succeed in terms of the world, succeed in the money stakes, succeed in the success stakes, and talk to them about this. And no, it doesn't satisfy. But God can satisfy. Listen, if you boxed this up and made it the secret to living well, you could actually sell it. God satisfies. And nothing else does. But you know what? Because it's here under our feet, because we hear it and talk about it and learn about it and see it, you know, we miss it. Familiarity breeds contempt. And oftentimes the world is wiser than we are. The world pursues satisfaction much harder than we do. It can't find it in what it's looking, but we miss it. And Christians stop short, and Christians, you know, <clears throat> look, at, look at their Christianity as being a fire insurance policy. It's going to save me from hell, but they don't understand. No, it's not. What God did when he saved you was he threw open a doorway into relationship with him, and he said, come. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come, and I will, all ye that thirst, and I will give you drink. I will satisfy you. Now listen, you'd have every right to go to your Lord tonight and say to him, listen, I'm not satisfied. What's wrong, Lord? And he'll speak to you and he'll help you. Because he satisfies. And nothing else in this world satisfies. He satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, people get old, weary, worn out long before their time. Long before their time. You know why? Because they're spending their lives lacking, longing, looking for something to make them feel better and never quite achieving it. And he says, no, 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 I will satisfy you. And I will, <clears throat> your youth will be renewed like an eagle. Listen, if you can come to the place where you're satisfied in him, the, the years may roll by, but they're not going to take it out of you. Not the same way as it does out of the world, because, listen, he satisfies. You can live a truly happy life, because you're satisfied in him. Um, <clears throat> verse 6, the Lord executed righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Let, let me say this, we're not going to spend much time on this. You know, the Lord does execute righteousness and judgment. To the nth degree. Nobody on this planet 
gets away with anything. No sin goes unpaid for. None. Now, men live in their own little world and they think they can get away with it, but they never get away with anything. If you're a believer and you confess your sin, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and it's God. But if you're not a believer tonight, listen, your sin has to be paid for. And you have two choices. Either you pay for it yourself in hell forever, or you put it on Jesus. And you trust what he did, and he saves you. There's only those two choices. But nothing goes unpaid for. People have done you wrong. People have done you wrong, and listen, they've cut you deep with the wrong that they've done you. Listen, he executes righteousness and judgment. Don't worry about it. It's all taken care of. Nobody gets away with stuff. God deals with everything. Verse 7 says, He made known his ways unto Moses. Aren't you glad he made known his ways unto us? You know, listen, I'm so glad for the stars, but you know what? The stars just tell me he's wonderful, and they stop there. You know, you look at the stars at night, and it's just, you know, you look at the moon, the moon's wonderful at the moment. You look at the moon, you look at the stars, and it's, whoa, there is a wonderful God out there. But if that was all I knew, I'd be sadly lacking. But he made known his ways. Listen, he gave us the book. He made known his ways. He showed us how we can know him. And, you know, the most glorious thing any man can do with his life is to know God. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Let not the strong man glory in his strength. But let him that glorieth glory in this that he knoweth and understandeth me that I am God. That's the glory of a man to know God. That's the joy of a man to know God. Do you realize... How much time scientists spend trying to discover how God put it all together? Now, they don't call it that. But they're trying to discover how God put it all together. Well, listen, we should be scientists. Not discovering how he put it together. Discovering him. Sifting through the word. Finding glorious gems. Finding who he is and understanding him. He's made it possible for us to know him. And not just to know about him through his word, but to actually know him in relationship because of his spirit. Listen, it's wonderful. What he's called you to is wonderful. Verse 8, And the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Just imagine for a moment if God was hot-tempered. Just imagine for a moment. You know, that he's on a hair trigger. 15 million people have done something that's offended him today. And you happen to be 15 million and one. So you get smashed. Because he just reacts. Now listen, our God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Aren't you so glad? Aren't you so glad the things you've done since you got saved even? And his merciful, his grace, his slow to anger, listen, has saved you from instant destruction. Verse 9 says, He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. There is a day coming when God's going to actually pour out his anger upon the world. He is holding it back. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's holding back. 
But there is a day when he'll say, it's over. It's done. And he will pour out his wrath. Not on you if you're his child, because the Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. That's a whole different message. No condemnation? You mean he will not condemn me? No matter what? No, he's not going to condemn you. You're his child. You're in. You're safe. Verse 10 says, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Now, you know what? That's kind of beyond us. He, He hasn't dealt with you according to your offenses against him? He hasn't rewarded your offenses to you? No, he hasn't. He doesn't do that one. He doesn't deal with us like that. <clears throat> he deals with us according to his mercy. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Now, east and west never meet. You can keep going out there east, right? <clears throat> and I mean, you're thinking of a globe, a planet, but... You know, if you go straight out there east and you go straight out there west, you know, forever and ever you'll be going further away from each other. So as far as the east is from the west, that's what God has done with your sins. Uh, He's put them away. He's removed them. Look at verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Did you ever see a father with with a treasured child? For the child is a joy. Do you, ever see, do you ever see the way fathers can talk about their children? Sometimes a little girl that just has a, you know, has, <clears throat> has a direct line into daddy's heart. They just got a direct line in there. They've they, they got a connection. And whenever he looks at the child, he looks at the child with, aww. You know, <clears throat> he looks at that child with that tenderness. And that's the way God looks at you. Now, isn't that strange? You can't imagine somebody looking at you like that. You can't imagine somebody looking at you and thinking a thought of tenderness even when you get it wrong. Even when you mess up. Don't we imagine that, you know, listen, when we, get, when we mess up and we get it wrong, God comes down steaming, rage, anger, red in the face, you know, listen, and he's ready to kill us, but he just barely holds back from killing us. No. That's not it. Now listen, he does deal with sin. But he never hates you. He pities you as a father pities a child. Did you ever see a father giving the child the extra chance? Listen, that's what God does with us. He pities like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame. He remembered that we are dust. He knows what we're like. He knows each one of us. He knows our frailties. He knows our weakness. He knows how easy it is for us to get off and go in the wrong direction. God knows those things about us. He understands us. He knows our frailties. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall be no, no, no more. That's the end of the summer. Those of you that are gardeners, the flowers are fast fading. They're fast going. You know, in a few weeks' time, there's places where there were flowers, and they'll just be gone. They'll be buried in the first snows. It'll be over. It'll be finished. 
They'll just be gone. And you know what? That's you and I. We just pass through this world. We're just like a smoke that blows across this world and we're gone. And God knows it. But he's got a much bigger plan for us. He's got an eternal plan for us. And he looks at you and your failings and your frailties and the way you miss it. And listen, he's got a much bigger plan for you. And he wants to work it out in your life and he wants to get you going. And he wants to get you moving. He wants you you to see uh, his plan. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, and do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his words. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, and all his works in all places of dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. God's got a plan for you. God's got great plans for you. God's got much greater plans than you could ever have for you. You know, if it's left to you, your plans have a ceiling on them, don't they? Because every one of us are limited by the ceiling we have in our lives, by our backgrounds, by, you know, our our talents, by our abilities, by our frailties. We're limited by them. God's plan has no ceiling for you. Because he's not looking at you and what you can do. He's looking at his son and what he can do through you. But there is a proviso in that. You can only go as far as you allow him to take you. You can get in your own way. You can do your own thing and get in your own way. To such as keep his covenant, to those that remember his commandments, to do them. And you say, oh, I knew it. The other shoe's falling now. It's about what I got to do. Well, let me try and just shift you before we're done off the idea of his commandments are grievous. Because the Bible says specifically, his commandments are not grievous. He doesn't give you things to do that are hard and strenuous and you can't do. Do what he does. He gives you things that are good for you to do. He gives you things that are right and that are helpful and that are blessed in your life. Now, you have a rebel will within you, and you you don't like anybody telling you what to do. So do I. It's in all of us. But he gives you commandments because he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to do right, and he wants you to know blessing. And when you submit and say, Dad, you know best, and you say, Lord, I'm going to do it your way, and you obey his commandments, because that's really what obeying his commandments is. You know what happens? He's able to get in your life and he's able to work things like you could never imagine. He's able to work things in your life and change things and make you so much more than you can imagine, that you can think of, than you could just, you have any hope of. And it doesn't matter where he finds you. He can find you in the depths, in the dregs, destroyed. If you will obey his commandments, that means heed his spirit and follow his spirit. Watch how he will walk you out of the place where you are today and into a place of glory and light and use you for his kingdom and his glory like you couldn't imagine. You see, when God saved us, he didn't do something at arm's length. 
You know, he didn't throw out heaven tickets as he was going by. What he did was, when he saved you, he put himself in you and you in him. He identified with you and you identified with him. And what he's done is something our tiny little minds can't really understand. But there's nothing impossible to the child who walks with their Heavenly Father. Nothing. He's able to work it out and do it, and he's able to change your life and make things great in your life. You have it all. A couple of thoughts and then I'm done, right? First thought, remember to praise him. Remember to praise him. Because if you don't, you'll forget. So write it down somewhere. If your prayer list only has one thing on it, let the one thing be praise him. Remember to praise him. And remember to praise him regularly. Throughout the day, praise him. And it's amazing how your heart gets given to it and you just rise up with it. But praise him. That's the first thing is remember to praise him. Second thing is do it. Praise him. And the third thing is rest in the blessings that you have. Rest in them. Oh, I know you're not worthy. You never will be. It's not about you being worthy. It's about him loving you. Rest in it. Rest in his love for you. Rest in his tender mercy. You know what? When you get it wrong, it's not because he's going to smite you. It's that, that, that you should fear. It's because he's hurt. And you want to make it right because you don't want him hurting. It's a whole different relationship. But remember to praise him. Live in the right place. You're sitting here listening tonight, and you know what? Some of your hearts are lifting. Because what's happening is, you're thinking, yeah, wow, all I've got. You know what? If you praise him every day, your heart will lift like that every day. If you will lift your voice to him and praise, your heart will lift like that every day. And you'll begin to realize, you know, listen, as dark and as troubled and as difficult as our world is, he's here. He is here. The Lord is at hand. And everything is different because he's here. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we ask your blessing upon us now, Lord. Lord, would you deal with us, Lord? Even in a time of invitation, would you take and would you work in hearts and lives, Lord? May there be a commitment to praise you. May there be a reality of praising you. Lord, work a work in our hearts, we pray. Lord, may we not forget your benefits, but may we remember them. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and the piano playing quietly. God is dealing with you. And you've missed it as far as praising him is concerned. You want to make a change in your life. You want to respond to him. Step out of your seat and come and do business with him.